forgot his name for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to today's episode of uh, Juicing the Numbers, your statistics in sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracing. And I'm Corbin Heller. And we're going to be talking about some sports today. Uh, we have a few <laughs> for a change. Uh, this is the sports edition. We will have the movies edition on Thursday. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about the MLB and the NFL. Uh, I would say the two leagues that have the most news that at least we follow. So, yeah. Corwin, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, shall we start here with just like the bit of news, or I guess that the bit of discussion point that is currently circulating in the MLB that is what will happen with MLB players' salaries should there be a season? Yes. So this has been a question mark since pretty much all of this started is how is the MLB and therefore the owners going to handle player salaries if there should be a shortened season? Obviously, if the season wasn't shortened, i.e. it was just pushed back, but still a full 162 games and nothing would have to happen because that's the full normal amount of games that players would be expected to play. But since there's now Almost, not even almost, now it's certain that if there was to be a season, it would be shortened to some extent. What uh, it was expected, and I think fair, that players receive, instead of their full yearly salaries, a prorated version of it based upon the number of games that they would actually be playing. So if player, if a player was set to make, random number here, uh, $4,500 per game um, out of 162 games to tally up to whatever that is as a full salary, they would still receive $4,500 per game, but only for the, let's say, 95 games. So it would end up being 67 fewer games worth of money, but it's the same amount of money per game. That's the basic idea of prorating. Which is fair, because that would save the owners money, because they'd be paying less, and the players would still get fairly compensated on a per-game basis based on what they would have been earning anyway. However, there's been recent discussion, actually not even discussion, the owners have submitted a proposal to the um, MLB Players Union asking them to take a pay cut in addition to the prorating as a means of saving money um, due to what the owners are anticipated as being losses as a result of fans not being allowed to be in the stands for games. And players are obviously not <laughs> thrilled um yeah the union representative uh who's oh god damn it whose name fucking escapes me right now tony something i don't know yeah I don't uh, know player. i'll look it up my first thought was dungy and that's obviously not right <laughs> um he is a very famous head coach in the nfl uh anyway Basically came out the same day, like, with not even enough time to have really read the proposal, but he didn't need to. Um, Andrew Miller and Daniel Murphy. That's not who I'm thinking of. Who am I thinking of? I don't know who I'm thinking of. Um, It doesn't matter. Uh, Yeah, basically, they're they're not doing it. And I I think they're well within their right to (laughs) vehemently say they're not going to do it. So, Corwin, what do you think about this current given situation? I'm in the situation where taking the prorated salaries that they agreed upon is totally 
you know, the right move. You know, you don't want to be as Tony much Clark. as I hate to say this when they're, you know, arguing, negotiating with literal billionaires, but you don't want to be greedy. You know, if you're playing half as many games, you should get half the salary. That's fine. You know, it's still a significant amount of money, but at the same time, when you've reached that agreement and have reached that deal and have ceased negotiations, you, as the owners, you can't just go back and be like, well, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to pay even less. And I'm very much not on the sides of the owners in this. I'm very much with the players. Well, at least the players that are on the sides of the players. Um, you know, having lost revenue sources and having cash flows that are interrupted is the nature of running a business. And although a pandemic that shuts down all of major league baseball, isn't exactly something that's high on the list of, you know, risk management scenarios, it's still something you have to be, you know, conscientious of and something you have to prepare for. And it's not like, any one of these owners is going to be, you know, foreclosing their house because they can't afford to pay the players. You know, they're still in a, a situation where they can make these payments. They should pay these players what they deservedly uh, should be getting paid, what their contracts say they should be getting paid. Um, and it's just pure greed that they're trying to go out and, you know, give these players the short end of the stick just because they're not going to have fans in the stadium. I get where they're coming from. You know, they don't have the same, you know, profit margins that they are accustomed to. But at the same time, it's you either pay the players their salary and make some money or don't pay them anything and not have baseball and don't make any money and just have even larger losses. So I just, I hate that this is such a vitriol filled discussion. <sighs> And I hate, just, I hate seeing players like A-Rod come out and be like, you should be playing for the love of the game. You should be playing for the fans, you know? Inspire hope to all these millions of people that are going to be watching. Like, get the fuck out of here, A-Rod. You've made $500 million in your career. There's more to this than just for the love of the game. This is their job. This is their career. This is how they provide for their families, you know, direct and indirectly. Uh, I know, oh, and and the the, the the thing that makes it just so mind-numbingly ironic that A Rod's one of the guys coming out talking about this uh, love of the game bullshit is that dude, you cheated like so much, like oh man, like you collected five hundred million dollars while cheating, and it's like, man, you, you did it while I was a Yankee, and I appreciate that about you, but also <laughs> my friend, shut the fuck up. Oh man, um, yeah. So the thing that that's really driving me crazy about this. All right, I'm gonna take this from a couple of different angles here. For one thing, I'm willing to bet that the owners have never gone to the players and said, "Guys, we sold out so many games this year. Everyone's getting a raise." <laughs> uh, but that's never happened. No way. Even once. Or hey, the investments that our endowment. Um, are currently invested in yielded us extra this season. Everyone's getting a bonus. Bet it's never happened to players uh, going down the line. So if you're not going to share 
in the wealthy times. Don't expect the players to help in the leaner times, because why the fuck should they? Um, beyond that, I think the notion that teams are going to lose money because fans can't enter the stands is ludicrous. And allow me to explain. If you are going to sit there and tell me that teams are going to lose more money from lack of attendance than they will gain from what I'm going to very safely assume will be a vast increase in television uh, viewership, then I think you're absolutely fucking bananas. If you're telling me that, like, let's take the Yankees, for instance. The Yankees have, let's average it out and say 42,000 people at the stands per, in, the, in the stands per game. I don't know if that's actually right. That seems like a pretty fair number, considering the stadium capacity and who the Yankees are as a franchise and who they've been the past three or four years. If you are willing to tell me, or you're seriously going to tell me that they're not going to get that viewership, honestly, tenfold, if not more, per game on TV and get to make bank off of the ad revenue thereof, I think you're fucking bananas. Mm-hmm. Now, I did the math on it, and if you assume an average ticket cost of $50 just averaged out throughout the entire stadium, 42,000 seats on average per game for 81 games, because of the home games, that's $178.2 million that you can say the owners are expecting to lose in the season. First off, what was that number again? $178.2 million. So firstly, for an MLB team, it's a lot of money. And but <laughs> for the, for the Yankees in particular, this is a pretty expensive uh, stadium to go to, and a pretty extensive number of seats they would be expecting to fill. So this number is high because it's the Yankees. That's not that much money to the Yankees. I'm very yeah. very comfortable saying that. And furthermore, yeah. again, this so is who says that? Who says that? That's not a like major, major, you know, amount of money for the Yankees. You're insane. Yeah, it's a lot of money, but if you think that's not something the Yankees could easily afford tenfold, you're crazy. Absolutely. And I would point you very comfortably to the Jacoby Ellsbury contract. Uh, <laughs> just if, if for evidence, the Yankees are comfortable throwing away this level of money. And again, if you're telling me that some. Uh, again, rather a large portion, if not all and or more, of this could be covered by an increase in viewership, which, again, I'm so comfortable making because the NFL draft, which had been, so they claim, dwindling in viewership each year, which, again, I'm not sure. I, It's been a talking point every year, but with the advance, uh, advances in actual streaming, which don't always get counted in viewership uh, numbers, tough to say. NFL draft having their record shattered in terms of viewership this past offseason, which is, again, just the fucking draft. It's not even an actual game. Uh, I think we can pretty readily surmise that if baseball were to come back as one of the only, if not only, sport currently running, that viewership would be immense. Mm-hmm. So, like, There's people that would be watching... Like- not to mention all the people, that, all the baseball fans that would be watching that don't normally tune into every game. Like, I don't watch 162 games throughout the MLB season. Who does? Just, I, I've never had the time for it. But 
I would be lying if I said that I wouldn't be sitting down watching baseball every single night. And the amount of people that would be coming in that aren't regular baseball fans that just need some sports, need something to distract themselves. There'd be so many viewers. 100%. I, I feel that way about the NBA. If the NBA was the first sport to come back, oh, you bet your ass I'd be watching uh, basketball every night. Um, or at least every night I'd be capable of getting a game. I mean, my God, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. If The Last Dance, the Jordan documentary that's season finale is premiering as we record this, if that came out during a normal time, I probably wouldn't be watching it just because I'll, you know, I'd wait for it all to come out, I'll binge it one day. Just it's not super important to me. I'd be lying if I said I'm not going to wake up early tomorrow to make sure I get it all in before you know I get spoiled to me, even though it happened 25, 30 years ago. Like I'm diving into baseball, just media, just because there's nothing else to. So again, the notion that MLB teams couldn't come up with this money via other means is again absolutely bananas so uh that to me is the really insulting part of these assumptions and the fact that they would ask players to make these sacrifices before having the full breadth of knowledge because it's one thing if i don't know you get to the end of the season and the team is dying you know, they just can't afford to keep running. Like, the Miami Marlins are just out of cash. They can't afford to pay the players and keep up with overhead costs or something like that. And they ask players to forego at least a portion of their salary for the remainder of the season just to keep the wheels of this vehicle still turning. That's one thing. But MLB teams could come out of this a-fucking-okay all while asking players to take a pay cut that they ultimately may not have even needed to do, benefiting nobody but the already very wealthy billionaires. And I know I'm arguing on the millionaires' behalf against the billionaires, and some people find that to be a distasteful argument. But nonetheless, justice needs to be served. Especially because I I see a lot more players doing community service work than I see owners. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Pirates fan, so I... Don't see owners doing anything close to serving community or spending money or anything beneficial. So, you know what? I'm not even if... sure Bob Nutting is alive. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him. <laughs> We're going to find a 10 part documentary uh, called Weekend at Bernie's, but with Bob Nutting. I would and it's just been taking place over the past like 10 years. It's all being run by a six year old. <laughs> Two nine-year-olds in a trench coat. <laughs> Vince Person. Uh, shout out to a great show. Wonderful show. So this is insane, and it's... With all the, the reasons an MLB season could ultimately not end up happening, because there are so, so many, as we've talked about on the show before, uh, if this ends up being the reason... I'm just going to be so fucking mad. If you, if you told me, you know, six months ago that there would be a strike coming in the future over uh, wage disagreements between owners and players, I'd be like, well, yeah, like the next CBA, like that's how it's going to go down. That's how it goes down for all lockouts. Um, if you said a global pandemic would be the cause of this dispute, I'd be like, yeah, I, 
I don't even know what that word means. What are you talking about? But here we are. And I cannot stress enough how much it's in the owner's best interest to have baseball happen this year and have the players be happy about it because, Corbin, when does the CBA expire? Uh, I don't know. After the 2021 season. Oh, that's so fucking great. It's <laughs> really, so great. really soon. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this to happen all over again. Stress enough. <laughs> How much the owners need to put a very good taste in the players' mouths before that happens, because if not, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. So much more ugly than I possibly could have thought a mere three months ago. Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. All right, well, get used to not having baseball, guys. Ever again. Literally I'm ever so- again fucking sad my whole body hurts um shall we pivot away from baseball for a little bit yeah might as well all right so uh why don't you tell us about what we're doing next year with these quarterbacks uh do you want to do the rankings first do you want to do news finish up the news first oh is there more news i'm sorry oh there's there's the football news oh that's right yeah tell me about it um well, it basically can be summarized by dumbasses being dumbasses and hoodlums being hoodlums. Um, although that's probably not the most politically correct way to and that. And you know what? They're dipshits. They're dip, dipshit stuff. They deserve it. Um, so first round pick DeAndre Baker of the New York Giants drafted last year. Uh, and then Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar have been accused and arrested uh, of armed robbery uh, that occurred earlier. I actually don't know the exact date, but it doesn't matter. Um, basically, what this comes down to is Baker and Dunbar were at this like barbecue, and someone says some shit, and basically, <laughs> DeAndre Baker whipped out a semi-automatic firearm, and then he and Dunbar. You begin robbing party guests by taking watches and other valuables. Um, he asked another man to shoot a random person at this party. I don't know if the person itself was meant to be random or if it's just not named. Probably just not named. Regardless, the duo allegedly departed with $7,000 in cash and valuable watches, including an $18,000 Rolex, a $25,000 Hubolt. Hublot, excuse me, and a pricey uh, name that I just cannot even begin to pronounce. Uh, Audemars Piguet timepiece, um, which I have to imagine is super fancy and expensive because us lowly, lowly plebeians don't even know what it is. Regardless, I literally never even heard of that. No. Yeah, like it's two dudes who make millions upon millions of dollars a year robbing a bunch of their friends at a party at gunpoint and expected to just get away with it. Um, I like, I can't stop myself from laughing through this because it's just so beyond ridiculous. Like if you're a first round pick playing for the New York giants, a, a prestigious organization, a team with a lot of money that will most likely pay you a lot of money. 
Sure. Rob a corner store while wearing a face mask. Fine. If you got to rob, rob. But robbing people at gunpoint, people that you know, people that I assume you're friends with. That people that know, know you your are. identity and can yeah. describe you to the police. And like, not even just like taking the hundred bucks they have in their pocket, but taking a $25,000 watch and expect nothing to come of that. Like, I get like some people don't have the critical thinking skills that the rest of society has, but like, motherfucker, come on. It's not hard not to rob people at gunpoint. And that's the thing is like, I, if you're really mad, you know, and I, you have a different kind of upbringing than I did, and you have to feel compelled to carry a piece on you, like, all right, you know, you, you do what you feel is right. You should probably mm-hmm. have a friend or two that says, hey, I'll hold the gun so that you don't get caught holding the gun. And that way, if anything goes down the wrong way, I'm the one holding the gun. Like, but, we've both seen enough anyway. movies to know that, like, that's a very simple task, and in at least movies, very common as well. It's like one of the main reasons that important people have posses. Uh, yeah. But that to the side, it's one thing to, like, I guess I get mad and, like, I don't know, pull out your gun and be like, yo, shut the fuck up. It's another mm-hmm. thing to be like, all right, give me your stuff. And then right. take it and then walk away. And then like, either unknowingly or um, willingly committing armed <laughs> felony robbery because the amount is really high because you're an idiot. Um, again, this is, it possibly might seem like stupid and weird, but if you are someone of relative import and you hang out with a crowd or you hang out in an area that might be a tougher neighborhood, having a dude to hold the gun for you or, you know, is like a real reason to have that guy there. Yeah. There's a the reason this Type of activity has stood the test of time. Oh man, yeah. it's 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 cr- especially because they're already fucking wealthy people, which is one of the things that makes the regular average Joe mad. But oh, like assault, I could understand a guy being arrested for saying, assault. Yeah. Someone says something, someone does something to someone you care about, to yourself. You stand up for yourself, regardless of how it goes down. You're going to get arrested for assault. That's pretty much the way it goes for minorities in the U.S. But, like, armed fucking robbery is just another level of just stupid. Like, this makes Plaxico Burris look like a genius. Oh, hold on. There's more. Um, everything. Uh, I literally just scrolled up one segment on this uh, feed. Uh, witnesses told police that Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar had getaway cars pre- Pre-positioned outside the residence in a manner that would facilitate an ex- expedited departure in when- Wednesdays. So this happened Wednesday. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, armed robbery. Oh my god, that's so that's so much, much worse. Stupid. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that also makes it things, so much things, worse for these. Two. If you're like, if you just get really mad and you, you know, you're pointing a gun in your in your buddy's face and you think, you know what? I know it's going to really piss this dude off. Because he's not afraid of my gun. I'm going to really piss him off by taking his watch. And I'll just give it back to him like tomorrow after, after he, he sits on all mad for a night. Right? But it's nothing to like literally actually plan a robbery when you're a famous person. Yeah. Um, a robbery of your friends. 
So oh, Quentin no. Dunbar is saying that, and you know, he's signing an affidavit and all this and getting interviews from witnesses that were like, hey, this guy wasn't involved. It was just DeAndre Baker. So there could be more to the more layers to this onion that we don't yet have. Um, but as of right now, Baker was released on two hundred thousand dollar bond, and Dunbar was released on a hundred thousand dollar bond. So we'll see how this goes. I am very excited for this one because this is just a whole other level of spicy. Wow! Yeah, no, it truly is. My God! Like, like we probably should have started with Ed Oliver because that's significantly more boring and bearing the lead is fun. Like Ed Oliver, he got arrested on drunk driving charges. He got a DUI. He'll get like two to six games suspension. That's whatever. Yeah. Um, but armed robbery at a barbecue. Ooh, baby, that's a whole nother level of fun. I oh, love that. Which are like usually in public. Or in the open, I should say. Oh. Uh, I texted oh. our friend Ethan about this, who's a, a lifelong Giants fan. Um, and he was just I don't know if he had heard the news already because he just had like no emotional response. Just like, yeah, a fucking course. Like, it's the Giants, you know. He didn't shoot himself, so we got that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like I would have felt bad if this was a Jets player because I know you would have taken it very much to heart, and the Jets don't deserve it. It's funny that it happened to a Giants player. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this it very much so speaks to the quality of play the Giants have had for the past four to six years. <laughs> yeah. All right, you ready to uh, pivot on over to these uh, rankings? Yes, yes. You want to intro it? Yeah, so I figured we talk about, and, you know, in our own lives on the podcast, we talk about who's better than who all the time. Um, you know, we talk about fantasy rankings a lot personally because we're both obsessed with fantasy. So I figured, wow, there's not really much actual news going on. What would be a better little exercise than actually going through and ranking all these positions? Um, so we're going to start with quarterbacks because while that seems to be difficult to judge quarterbacks because it's always been hard, it seems like a pretty easy place to start because it's, I feel like it would be pretty easy to put together tiers here. Yeah, I think I think so. So let me ask you before we get started on this, what was your general methodology for your ranking? I'm glad you went into that. Um, I basically went with if I wanted to compete for a Super Bowl right now, not in you know build a team for the future. If I wanted to compete and I wanted to, when I viewed this, I want to look towards the immediate future, not, you know, long-term future. You know, I don't want to have a rookie quarterback that I could have signed for five years and has, you know, 15, 20 years ahead of them. I want guys that can compete right now. Who's the, who has the most skill at the position in the next two to three years that can lead this team right now. So there's a little projection involved. You know, there's some young guys here that I personally think will get better. But I purposely went more with, you know, like, for example, I think Joe Burrow could be a top five quarterback in the NFL relatively shortly, um, you know, the next four or five years on his rookie deal. I don't have him in the top five because we haven't seen him yet. So there's a little projection there with him, with you know, where I have him above other guys. But 
it is uh, a little bit more conservative with rookies. I like that. I I went with for my top five through mostly ten. I went with the right now who I think is truly truly best. Below that, I had a really really hard time. And I thought about going into actual stats, but I went with a combination of gut feeling, because if we're honest, a lot of it does come down to that um, mm-hmm. in the world of football. So I went with, with my genuine, actual impression of players. And because there's so many guys who are going to be starting as very young players, like a you know, one would presuppose Tuo is going to be starting, one would presuppose Joe Burrow is going to be starting. And people are going to be starting as very old players. Uh, Philip Rivers, one could pres- I think should presume will be starting. Um, I went with again, kind of a gut feeling on how they will do. Um, in addition to a little bit of choosing, probably a little bit of youth over a little bit of age. Um, mm-hmm. which I think it's always fair, even if if you're not projecting yeah. out for several seasons, even if you're just projecting for durability for the current season. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, that's that's my uh, prelude. Uh, how many players did you rank? I ranked thirty-two. All right, I ranked thirty-five. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Um, I honestly can't tell you which teams I doubled up on because I know I one is the t- all the teams because I knew I was going to do that. I feel like it's going to end up being uh, the. Chargers, the Dolphins, because they both have rookie quarterbacks that I wanted to throw in there, but also have the starters. And for some reason, I feel like I have Andy Dalton in here somewhere, just because I don't know if this was, if I put this together pre or post trade or signing. Regardless, I have Andy Dalton in here as well. So I was trying to keep it to a singularity for per team. So I Mm -hmm. have, um, only one quarterback per team, so I picked who I think is likely to be the starter. Um, totally fair. Yeah, so anyway. Um, I think the reason I – so I know why I had the Dolphins and the Chargers because they have rookie quarterbacks that probably right. aren't going to start day one. I think I put Andy Dalton in here because of the Andy Dalton line. Very fair. Of like That's Andy cool. Dalton being the line of average, which um, I will spoil is not true anymore. Um, but you know, we can dive into it. Uh, do you want to start at the bottom and work our way up to the top players? Certainly. Especially through those a lot easier. So Uh, do you want to do groups of like, do you want to do groups? Just go one by one. So here, how about you give me 35 through 33 since I don't even have those numbers. Perfect. Um, so the worst three possible starting quarterbacks in the league at 35, I have Mitch Trubisky. I have Mitch Trubisky at the bottom of my list, too. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just, he <laughs> oh, has shown so little in terms of oh. development. If I wanted to have a team, he's the guy I would trust least uh, to drive my team forward. I just, I honestly would rather have, you know, I'd rather have Mohamed Sanu quarterbacking my team because at least then it would be exciting you know we'd probably win just as many games but hell it would be fun to watch while we're doing it because I, oh, he's God. a wide receiver 
Honest, yeah, straight up, like uh, run a full wildcat cat offense, and you probably would do just as well as Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. right now. You probably do better because at least a running back could 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 run, whereas Mitch Trubisky yeah. can't, and they can both yeah. finish. Um, I, God, right. him fail has actually been kind of a treat because of how much of a bitch he was after the draft for asking everyone to refer to him as Mitchell. That's what I. I that's what I knew he was going to be bad. I wrote Mitchell Trubisky in, and then I was like, no, he doesn't deserve that name anymore. He's back to Mitch. Holy bitch, Trubisky. <laughs> Fuck yourself. All right, give me, uh, a, give me 34 and 33. 34 and 33. At 34, I have Jared Stidham, uh, just because I I like Jared Stidham. I think he will develop well uh, in New England. I think he's going to be there long-term starter of the future, at least for the next couple of years. I think we're going to give him a good shot. But, man, I have never seen him play in the NFL, and I just I don't know what he is. Like, with the rookies in this class, I you can project him a lot better than you can, you know, I think it was like a fourth-round pick from last year. You know, it's, it's not great. Still better than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think he could definitely catapult himself up this list this year, but without being able to watch him play yet, I have him there. And then at 33, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who might not be the starter day one, but almost certainly will be uh, with Tua coming off that hip surgery, uh, being a rookie quarterback without much prep time leading up to the season. Um, He's a guy where I wouldn't want my team to be necessarily – in his hands long term, but if he was my backup who had to be the starter, um, I feel like I would be, I don't want to say content because that's definitely not the right word, but I wouldn't be pulling my hair out if everything fell into his lap, if you get what I mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, I didn't even have either of those guys on my list, Uh, so I'd say that they're probably well-placed for that reason. Uh, Since you know my number 32, Mitch Trubisky, why don't you give me your number 32? Man, this one's going to hurt because of how much I loved him coming out. Um, I thought he was going to be a superstar. Uh, He has not been. I want you to guess who this guy is. He was a top pick. Yep, Jared Goff. Yep. Uh, (laughs) I got it right away, honestly, when you started describing him. Yep, and I didn't expect. Like, I knew this wasn't going to take you a lot of guesses. He's um, very low on my list as well. Um, He's not many picks away. Uh, or placements? That doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Yeah, I fully, fully understand this ranking. It's just I I don't trust his decision-making. I don't trust the mental side of it with him trying to break apart defenses. Uh, you know, he still has shown the ability to have these beautiful throws. His arm is still very gifted. It's just he hasn't been able to put it all together. He hasn't been able to come close. Did not know. If the sun <laughs> rises in the east, that's in the west every uh, day. That's probably my favorite hard knocks moment uh, of all time that I can think of off the top of my head because it's just so vivid. Like, it's just such – it blew me away. I mean, uh, that level of absolute – oh, my God. It, it's really telling because quarterbacks are to be smart. Yeah. And, and not only did he not know it, he didn't realize it was common knowledge and then started trying to tell other people and they were all like, yeah, you dumb fucking idiot. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, what a great season of hard knocks that was. Jeff Fisher, him, the guy who like 
didn't believe in dinosaurs or whatever. Or it was just believe oh, mermaids were real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll, I'll guess I'll go. You've gone a bunch. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take a turn. Uh, number thirty-one. Uh, I have a total guess, um, but I am presuming here that Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter for New England. Um, absolute guess. There's no real way of knowing it, but I'm assuming he's going to be for the purpose of this. And I have him here at number thirty-one. Yeah, um, I might have had him just below. I probably would have had him just below Jared Stidham. He would have been my new number 34, 35, however you want to put it. But it's close enough where there's there's not much upside with Brian Hoyer. Sure, his floor isn't as low as some other guys on this list, but you know what you got had, and you're not getting much. Yeah, he's had moderate success in some places, uh, also New England. Um, yeah. But my God, he's not a talented quarterback. At 30, sorry, what was that? I said, who do you have at this position? At 31, I have Gardner Minshew. Oh. Um, again, he's he's one of those guys where I think his floor is very low. I think he was relatively lucky in his performance last year. Um, I do think he's another one of these guys like Stidham who can catapult himself up if he can show that he can have continued success. Um, but at the same time, I think he has enough of a, a bust a bust ability. God, that's I hate that I just said that word, but he could bust and be absolute garbage. And I don't know if I would trust my franchise with him at the helm. Um especially if I was trying to compete. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I have him in a very different place. <laughs> that's fair. That's why we have these rankings. Yeah, we'll get there. Um Moving on up, my number 30, I have Las Vegas Raiders starting quarterback Derek Carr. Mm. Um, I, so this is one of the things I really struggled with because I feel like tier, I don't know what I'd call that, tier three of your average quarterbacks is an enormous list. Mm-hmm. Uh, without two, like there's, I'd say the NFL right now is very top heavy in quarterback talent, but not very bottom heavy at all. Um not saying that there's no trash quarterbacks out there, just most of them aren't starting right now. Where they were starting, a lot of young talent has like very, very recently entered the fold. Um, so I, I would say most of it is occupied by that level of, of, of guy. But uh, mm-hmm. Derek Carr is a guy that's been in the league for a while now and really, really hasn't shown much of anything outside of, I'll say, one good season. And one good season is not a quarterback make. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we'll get to it. I'll talk about Derek Carr uh, very shortly. Uh, at 30, I have the projection of Justin Herbert here. Oh, um, we're, not, we're not far off on him either. Yeah, I just, I think my opinions on the man are very well known uh, from this podcast. I just, he has such a tremendously high ceiling, but... Oh my God, I would be scared shitless if I was a competing team uh, like the Chargers trying to get my way deep into the playoffs, trying to contend for a title. I just, the mental aspect of his game, you know, physically there's some concerns, just no, no progression uh, over the years uh, at Oregon, just 
still has some issues with certain throws, whatever it may be. As beautiful as he can be throwing the ball, just the mental side of it just scares the ever-loving shit out of me. Um, and if he can put it together, he is a, a top 10 quarterback. If he doesn't, he's Mitch Trubisky. Um, he really is. Like He has a very, very similar skill set uh, floor-wise. Um, uh, yeah, I just I could not put him any higher than this. I fully understand. Um, my number 29 pick is a man that has come up already, Jared Goff. Yeah, uh, you want to move right on. Yep. Um, all right, so my 29 is Derek Carr. Told you you wouldn't have to wait too long. Um, <laughs> They're literally 29 and 30 on each of our lists. Or no, yours is 30. Uh, where was Jared Goff in yours? Uh, Jared Goff was 32. Okay. Derek Carr is now 29. We're at. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys where his ceiling is just not much higher than his floor. I, he's one of those guys that you know what you got, and that's it. Uh, you know, I think he's going to end up being a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of guy, Ooh, where he sticks around forever because of you know the mental aspect, his personality. Uh, you know, he's a smart guy. I think he could be an excellent backup. It's just as a quarterback, he's limited. Um, he, you know, I view him in the same vein as I do a current Andy Dalton. Um, again, spoiler alert, you're going to see him pretty soon. It's just these guys that have not the lowest floors that, you know, have been able to find some mid levels of success. Just they don't have the ceiling to get your team to the next level. I yeah, I, I fully get it's the same rationale I had for putting him at thirty. Yep. <laughs> uh number twenty eight is another man that has already come up on this list thus far, Justin Herbert. Nice. Yeah. Uh I guess we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I really <laughs> there's no reason to dive into this anymore. Yeah, the only reason I put him above golf and car is because we haven't actually seen him yet, but mm-hmm. I'm not giving him a lot of points for that. You know, if if I really wanted to go back and think about it, I might put and you know, if it wasn't something I was focusing on with uh, you know, being able to compete right away and it was more of a projection three, four, five years out, I'd put him uh, a good chunk higher just because I, I think he does have the ability to get better. It's just right now in the next two, three years, it's it's gonna be rough. Yeah. Who do you got here at twenty eight? Twenty eight I have our man Andy Dalton. Um, Yeah, Andy Dalton line. The Dalton line has sunk a little bit over the past couple years. Doesn't quite have the same athletic ability. Physically, it's not the same guy as he was. Still a a relatively smart passer. Still can get the job done. He's always been a guy that's been relatively underrated throughout his entire career. Probably because he's ginger and plays for the Bengals. Um, But the Red Rifle is more of a BB gun now and you know, again, I think he could be an excellent, excellent backup over the next couple of years. Um, but again, he's in this tier of guys that just aren't going to be able to bring the team to the next level. Yeah, he's like, um, who's the uh, uh, Josh McCown? I see him as being mm-hmm. a Josh McCown going forward. Oh, yeah. He's probably not going to lose you a bunch of games you wouldn't have lost anyway, but he's almost certainly not going to win you any. I agree. But yeah, um, 27. At 27, I have Dwayne Haskins of the Washington Redskins. Um, I, I, I really struggled with where to put him 
because he didn't have the greatest rookie campaign, uh, albeit very, very small one. He really didn't get a very fair shake at starting at all, um, and much less the coaching staff and general team he had around him was less than stellar. And all that projects to be better going forward. But at the same time, I didn't know where to put like half these fucking people. So um, Dwayne Haskins, I'm going strictly based off of what he did this past season, which was not great. Although I'm not sure it's necessarily fair to 2020 or presumably 2021 Dwayne Haskins. But here he stands. Fair assessment. Fair assessment. At 27, I have Philip Rivers. Ooh. Yeah, I just... I'm sorry? We're not far off on Phil, are there? We're really <laughs> close on a lot of things, which is comforting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for like the one guy that we just have just wildly different opinions on. I can't wait to figure out who it's going to end up being. Um, but yeah, uh, Philip Rivers, I think 2019 is a better representation of what I think he's going to be moving forward than it being a fluke. Um, he's just reached that age where a steady decline is getting less and less likely. You know, it's, I think a, a steep fall off is kind of in the, uh, in the realm of what should be assumed. Um, I, if he has a, a minor back bounce back year with a better offensive line in front of him and seemingly similar weapons uh, in Indianapolis, I could absolutely believe it, but I don't see him being a, a multi-year option moving forward. Um, you know, I love the guy, but I just his arm is just a pool noodle at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. He, a, a bounce-back season from what he did in 2019 is still a very average season. So mm-hmm. I fully, fully understand this pick. Um, my number. I hate I, just before we move on from Phil. I hate that he can't just be like a final round QB sleeper that's always there and is always a reliable option because that was so useful in the past. Yeah, it truly. He was never drafted, but always there when you needed him. Exactly. Um, my number twenty six pick is probably one of my spicier picks. Uh, it's also heavily laden out of sheer spite. Um, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Wow, okay. okay. So I've watched a few Buffalo Bills games. I've watched at least two because they played the Jets. And God damn it, this is the least impressive person I've ever seen have a successful rookie year. Um, holy shit. Outside, he has an amazing arm um, strength-wise and he can run like no white boy can. Um, but my God, is it so inaccurate is he jumpy as all hell when it comes to actually throwing. And I sincerely do not believe in him as a quarterback. Um, and so here I stand, feeling I, kind of okay about this pick. I just want to say I am very upset that you ranked him lower than me just because you were the first one to be able to jump on that assessment. Really? Uh, yeah, so... Ah, uh, fuck. All right. Uh, we'll talk about him very shortly. Uh, okay. <laughs> my 26. Uh, I have Tyron Taylor here. Oh. Um, I have him as the second Chargers quarterback on this list. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that we haven't seen play in a while and I think could easily be better than the 26th overall quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, without being able to see him 
inside, you know, the, inside the locker room on the practice field, like the Chargers have been able to, I wouldn't have the same level of confidence having him be the presumptive starter. Um, it's just one of those things where uh, my opinion on him will change drastically based off of how he plays, you know, his first time back as a starting QB since, uh, I don't know, it's probably been, it's definitely been since Baker was drafted, right? So that's what, three years? Uh. Yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Um, my number twenty-five five. pick, twenty-five pick is a man we discussed already, Philip Rivers, and we will discuss Ooh. him no further for obvious reasons. Uh, my number twenty-five pick is Josh Allen. Oh, I thought this was also going to be a spicy pick, but yeah, uh, Josh did a, a truly excellent job summarizing my opinions on Josh Allen. Uh, athletically gifted for sure, can run the ball better than any white boy can. Uh, has an absolute monster arm, uh, but goddamn, he—they would be better off with a catapult behind center, not a trebuchet, not a superior medieval siege weapon, but a catapult because there is no accuracy to be had, was so significantly worse in every aspect of accuracy for starting NFL quarterbacks. It's astonishing. I wish I remembered to look up the information and look up the, the numbers before we started, because it's wildly concerning. Um, I get that he didn't have any living, breathing receivers uh, throughout his career so far. And he has Stefan Diggs now, but... Good God, I just I don't see how he can improve enough to become an accurate player. Uh, I know the big issue coming out of Wyoming was just his bad supporting cast and you know inaccuracies with mechanics and whatnot, and that it could be fixed in the NFL uh, once he had a stronger supporting cast. Didn't exactly get that, but at the same time, you know it. It hasn't been really any improvement with the arm. Uh, so I think he's has a very low ceiling compared to his floor. I very much so agree. Um, bad supporting cast as an excuse will only get you so many attempts, um, so many shots in the NFL. So right, who's your 24? Number 24, I have him here strictly because I did not know where else to put him. I have Drew Locke. Tom Brady. Ooh. Um, um, I, I literally, literally, you could you could call, say I'm an absolute idiot. You had him in your top ten, or you could say, "Wow, I forgot. I didn't even put him in here." Um, because I literally did not know where to put him on this list. Which is fair, you know. He had a very limited rookie season. Um, he put up some good numbers, but uh, we can get to it when we get to it. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, figured, I don't hate that. Yeah, I think the low end of like the middle of the pack was pretty fair. He's a young dude. He didn't right. suck. He wasn't great. Mm-hmm. He didn't suck. Uh, I, I, yeah. Um, so my 24, another guy we already talked about, Dwayne Haskins. Um, very lackluster rookie year. I had him as my top quarterback last year. Two years ago. I honestly don't remember anymore. No, he was a rookie last year. He had to have been. Yeah, because you um, wanted the Giants to draft him instead of um, Daniel Jones. Yeah, um, I would say I look silly now because Daniel Jones had a much better year than Dwayne Haskins, but uh, it we'll see. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, as of right now, there's some questions. Uh, hasn't really shown the same excitement that I saw, you know, from him when he was terrorizing Penn State. Uh, I do think he has a good ways to go, and I do think he's a guy who can get better relatively quickly, especially if he was on a team with supporting cast that wasn't, you know, a broken Darius Geis, a 55-year-old Adrian Peterson, and a relatively unknown rookie receiver named Scary Terry. Um, I am excited to see what Ron Rivera can do with him. Um, I'm excited to see what their new offensive coordinator, who I'm conveniently forgetting their first name, but I am actually excited about them having, uh, can do with him. Um, We'll see if, in post, if that sentence makes any sense grammatically, but chances are it doesn't. Um, You know, this this is the first time, or like this ranking is the first player that I would not be upset about having as my starting quarterback. You know, like... Josh Allen and down, I would be very concerned, um, especially with, you know, projecting forward from Dwayne Haskins on up are guys that, again, I don't want to necessarily say I'd be comfortable with them. I wouldn't be terribly excited that this is my quarterback for a contending team, but I don't have necessarily any ill wills about, you know, competing with Dwayne Haskins as quarterback. I feel like he could get the job done. That, that's a better way to describe it. I feel like these guys on up could all get the job done at the very least. I think that's a, I think it's a very fair summation. Um, yeah, we could very much so end up seeing 2019 Dwayne Haskins being a victim of circumstance over anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, number 23, uh, again, this is me making a presumptive pick at who the Carolina Panthers starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, I picked Teddy Bridgewater. I have him here at 23 only because... Teddy, I think, is a known quantity at this point, and I think he is good enough to win you a game. Yeah, I think he's good enough to win you a game you probably shouldn't have won, but I don't think he's good enough to do that consistently. And I think he has certainly, if if he has, whatever his ceiling is, we have seen it, and it's not good enough to put him over some of the younger people I have ahead of him. Um, I am a big fan of Teddy Bridgewater, and I think this is my line. Um, for people above this list, I think people above this name can can certainly win you a football game and be defensible as being your starting quarterback. Um, I truly love Teddy Bridgewater and wish him nothing but the best in life. But I couldn't. I had a hard time fitting him in, and I think twenty three was fair. Yeah, uh, I'll save my specific thoughts on him for when we get to him in my rankings. Um, I think it's it. You know, you, were, you weren't you were sure if he was going to be the starter. Uh, I would definitively say that there's no way he's not because the only guys behind him are Will Greer, who I am a big fan of but didn't really do anything as a rookie. And uh, I almost said P.J. Fleck. It's like P.J. Hall or something like that, uh, XFL quarterback, AAL, AAF player. I don't remember. Um, but, you know, it it's not like he's in a loaded quarterback room right now. So no, I think... I- he is the presumptive quarterback, but yeah. I just wanted to, I don't know, issue. No, I, I understand. Some sort in case I get it wrong. Anyway, who do you got here? Um, so next up uh, is another guy that we have discussed previously. Uh, I will say guys 21 to 25, so this is 23, right in the middle of the tier I'd like to call young quarterbacks who we don't necessarily know what they are and still have – 
a fair amount of projection left in their game. So right smack dab in the middle of that tier is Drew Locke. Um, yeah, you were uh, significantly more worried than you should have been because, you know, Drew Locke, he had a, a pretty decent rookie season. Uh, definitely con- some concerns there just with decision-making and accuracy, whatnot. I do think that he will get better with the just assortment of weapons that he now has. Um, I mean, he has Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, he has Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton there, and then they just drafted Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, and then Noah Fan at tight end. Um, so, of all the rookie quarterbacks, if he can't get it done with that group, uh, Drew Locke is going to be dropping down in the low 30s um, or high 30s, depending on how you view rankings. Um, Fair. But on his own, if he was a, on a competing team with the franchise, it's it's tough, you know. He definitely has some significant room to grow with his game, but uh, I think he could still get the job done. Right on. I'm about it. All right, my number twenty-two pick is uh, Big Blue's own Daniel Jones. Um, he... I'll just say it now. My number twenty-two is Daniel Jones too. Is it really? Oh. Yeah. Um, I'll be really quick then. I'll let you just cut in. Um, he had a shaky yet moderately successful rookie campaign. Um, he's not. He has a lot of turnover concerns, but in general, I think actually showed a lot more promise than I was going to give him credit for. Um, he's still not great, but definitely has shown flashes. Yeah. Um, once again, Josh, you're spot on. Uh, I agree with you completely. He's so definitely has issues fumbling the ball. He's shown more athleticism than I thought we were going to see from him, uh, even though he runs exactly like I picture Eli running. Yes. Um, it's, it's effective, but not graceful. Yep. Um, he has definitely surprised me with some of the poise he has and his ability to just pinpoint some balls deep. Um, I, I do view him as a guy who could be a, a long-term franchise leader in the mold of Eli for the Giants, both you know in-game and physical appearance because, Jesus Christ, they're still twins. Um, it is truly amazing that they drafted like a carbon copy of Eli Manning. I know. Um, oh, my God. It's, it's insane. It's, it's 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 one of the greatest things that we kind of have forgotten about. Um, but yeah, uh, again, at the top end tier of this young, not really sure what we got yet, but of those guys, I think he has one of the best shots to uh, really perform. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, moving on to number 21, then. Um, what might also be a hot take? Uh, I have Baker Mayfield. Um, Ooh. Uh, okay, big, yeah. Baker's shown a lot of flashes, um, and he's talked a lot of shit, but he's also shown a lot of concerns. Um, he's shown a lot of accuracy issues. He's shown a lot of turnover problems, and he's yet to show that he can win a game that he shouldn't win. And that I think is the toughest part about being a quarterback 
is that there is that expectation upon you, and at some point you have to fulfill it. And can can Baker still be that guy? Yeah, sure, why not? But at the same time, he's a fucking loudmouth, which, get, don't get me wrong, I love. Um, but we'll get you in a lot of shit if you don't live up to it. And so far, in terms of living up to it, he mostly has not. Um, but, again, still shows that maybe he can. Um, I'm not necessarily low on him, but I'm not high on him, and I would take all of the guys I have above him before. Yeah, um, I do have Baker Mayfield uh, a little bit higher uh, than you do uh, by a, a fair, like a, probably as much of a chunk you know, difference as we're going to have in this. Um, I think uh, we'll, I'll get to my opinions when we get there, but uh, I, do, I do definitely like Baker a little bit better than you do. Um, at 21, uh, you're going to get upset, but uh, I, I have Sam Darnold here. Uh, rounding out the top of this um, young buck tier um, of all these guys, I think he still has the most promise. I think he has been absolutely neutered by Adam Gase uh, and just not really having anything of a surrounding cast, no protection, no receivers. Um, I mean... Robbie Anderson, I like him as a player. I like Chris Herndon. I, you know, even like Quincy Nunwa a little bit. But um, those aren't the kind of guys that you want supporting your, you know, top. I uh, forget where they took him, but you know, top five pick. Um, it's just I, I think he has so much room to blossom. I just really hope it's the damage is not already done. Um, yeah, I don't I don't fully fault you for having him here. I mean, 2019 was super ugly. He played in one game and then missed six weeks from Mono and then came back to just a disgustingly bad offense. Uh, to make Jets fans feel better, when he came back, the Jets were two and seven, and then they finished the season seven and nine. So they went seven and two in his remaining um nine games back, which is wonderful. Um, but at the same time, it's so tough to know what he is because he went from mediocre to bad head coach for offense to bad to awful head coach for offense and also <laughs> missed a very significant chunk of playing time. Um, he certainly can still be good. Um, I, can, uh, I think certainly he can still be great. I think he is good. But he's got a lot of obstacles. So I un- I very much so understand and was kind of expecting this ranking. All right. Who do you have at 20? Breaking number, into the 20s. Number 20 oh. is a weird pick for me. Um, I have Ryan Tannehill. Ooh, okay. Titans. Um, again, a guy I didn't know where to put. If we did this ranking preseason last year, it would be much lower than this. Because it, he deserved it. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if we did this last year, he would be very, yeah, right. very low. Yeah, he'd be, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, I, I might not have even ranked him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but something in the water in Tennessee switched a gear for him, and he really kicked it up a notch. Um, he was phenomenal in his time in Tennessee. Do I think he can do it again? Uh, probably. Uh, uh, 
definitely not to the extent to which he did, but he clearly showed a ceiling to which we did not previously think existed and has a significantly better cast around him as well as coaching staff. And he's shown himself to be a competent starter. Yeah. Um, I just, I really hope he can, I don't want to say piece it together because he showed that he has last year. I just hope he can hold it together. Um, My number 20, I have Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, excuse me. Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, (laughs) Old inside joke that nobody probably gets. Um, Jimmy G, uh, this is kind of the tier of guys who have a limited ceiling, but at the same time, I know that they could get the job done. Um, That probably lasts up until 15 overall. Um, so these next five guys, I have Jimmy G kind of at the bottom of that tier just because, well, he literally just took his team to the Super Bowl and nearly won it. I, you know, that's more on the defense, more on Kyle Shanahan, more on a lot than it is on Jimmy G. Um, he's a guy that I've definitely been vocal about being bullish on. Uh, I had a lot more hope. I still think he is a better quarterback than what we've seen. But it's getting down to that point where it's it's getting to the point where he's kind of what we what we got. Um, so I, I wouldn't be upset, obviously, having him as the franchise guy for my team. But at the same time, there's is a limit to what he can provide. Yeah, he has shown to not be the next coming of Tom Brady, yeah. which is so, fine by me. So just for some further clarification between this tier and the last tier. The last tier definitely has a lower floor than this current tier. Their ceiling, I think, is all much higher than the guys we have right here. Um, But if we're looking in the immediate future, these guys kind of have that edge. I got you. Uh, At number 19, I have Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. Mm. Um, This might... I. I, as I've been saying with half these fucking dudes, I struggled with where to put him. He had a pretty successful working campaign. I did not think he was going to, but he certainly proved me to be mostly wrong. Um, he, that team, I think, is going to be better. I, well, he certainly is going to be better, um, at least in the, um, uh, oh, fuck, what's the name of the wide receiver they stole from the Texans? DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, thank you. Certainly be better in the DeAndre Hopkins department. Fuck. Uh, anyway, uh, no, he showed a lot of promise, and if he can build upon what he did in this previous season, then I think he'll be a starter that Arizona can proudly trot out um, for the first time since Carson Palmer. <laughs> uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. I have him uh, a fair chunk higher than you, but um, I, yeah, I'll save what I got for that. Uh, at number 19, this is where I have Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think he definitely will benefit from spending the last couple of years underneath Drew Brees um, in the depth chart, not physically underneath Drew Brees. Although. Uh, although you never know. Uh, we have seen pictures of what is alleged to be Teddy Bridgewater's phallic piece, and it's fucking larger than most people's forearms. Most people's forearms. Uh, you could search that uh, Louisville picture specifically uh, on your own. Uh, I think his arm talent isn't necessarily the greatest. I think it is limited, um, but I think he could be very smart with the football. I think he's a 
I hate using this term because I think it takes away from the work he would do, but a, a game manager role rather than, you know, a gunslinger. Um, but I think he would definitely be a good leader for a team like this uh, competing for a Super Bowl. Honestly, now that I think about it, I might have put him a little too low. Um, I probably should have put him at the top of this tier, mid-top of this tier, but 19 I'm, I'm very content with. Fair enough. I'm a fan of Teddy Bridgewater and will never speak ill upon him. You go. Two-hand, <laughs> Teddy. Uh, at number 18, I have one of our freshly minted quarterbacks. I have Tua Tagovailoa from Miami. Excellent um, pronunciation. Good job, Josh. Thank you, good sir. I heard it many times leading up to the draft and got my practice in. Um, hey, I don't know what the fuck he's going to be, and chances are, because this is Miami we're talking about, this might be a really rough rookie year for him. <sighs> yeah. um, but that I was thinking has, about that earlier today, and it just it makes me so sad. Yep, yeah, it really does, and it's such a fucking shame, because I think talent-wise, he probably might even deserve to be higher than I have him here at 18, which is crazy because he hasn't played a game yet. Um, but Miami is going to kill him. Um, but for hey, now, look at you, 18. That's not bad. <laughs> um, at my 18, this is where I have Ryan Tannehill. Um, this is one of those guys where it's like, uh, I probably should have a blower because... Man, everything we've seen leading up to that, like, half a season has been not good. Just, you know, he's had bright spots, but never been able to put it together. He finally put it together. Uh, and if he could come close to what he did last year, he's going to be a top-tier quarterback. But at, right now, it's just it's hard to be able to confidently project him to maintain that momentum. Um, so I have him here at 18. Uh I'd love to see him keep going. It's just, yeah, it's can you trust uh, can you trust the Titans when it comes to throwing the ball? Because they're going to run the ball 55 times a game. Oh, which will make him better in all likelihood. Uh, at number 17, I have another freshly minted quarterback because I figured, why not keep these two dudes together? I have Joe Burrow um, of Cincinnati. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be. He'll probably be better than a few of the people I have above him. But um, he gets points taken off for being a rookie, as I am one to do to everyone in every sport. But, hey, I have him a bunch ahead of a bunch of other dudes. So I think 17 ain't bad, Joey. 17 ain't bad. Um, yeah, so I actually also kept Tua and Joe Burrow together, but uh, a little higher up, we'll get to them for sure. At 17, I have Kirk Cousins. Ah, I had uh, such trouble placing him. So, okay. Yeah, it, he's one of those guys where I've also been bullish on him in the past, and I think he has uh, a lot of talent. It's just, man, he struggles in crunch time. And I think this is why I'd, I'd honestly, if I had to redo these rankings right now, I'd put Teddy Bridgewater ahead of him um, in my Excel sheet. That's exactly what I'm going to do because Excel's awesome and you can just do these things on the fly. But at the same time, I think if you put him in the right position, if you if you really coddled him like a little baby bitch, I think he could carry you to the promised land finally. Um, but I, I definitely would be concerned doing it. Uh, the talent's there. It's just, again, mental game. It's just not scary. Scary trying to protect mental game. Very much so. 
at number 16, what I think must be at this point the largest gap between players that we have. I have Gardner Minshew of Jacksonville. Oh, man. Um, There's no way that gets beaten. <laughs> it's got to be the biggest. So yeah. I bet you forgot we haven't talked about him on my end yet. Um, I really liked him last year, and I really tried. I don't blame to- you. Um, he did it with what has only been proven to be a terrible Jacksonville team. Um, and he won, he definitely won some games he like really shouldn't have. Um, granted, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good going forward, but I actually still kind of like him. And I think he could be really good. I don't think he could be like fucking great or anything, but. Or maybe he could. I don't even know. But I really liked what I saw out of him last year. He showed more than just a few flashes. And fuck, man. I wanted to have one wild <laughs> pick. So here we go. Dan Gardner Minshew, 16. Listen, I don't, I really don't dislike this selection as much as I think you think I would. Um, he definitely has shown the upside where he could absolutely be here. Um, it's just, again, it's one of those things, the same reason I had Jared Stidham at 34, you know, young quarterbacks that have a limited starting time and don't have the pedigree and the, the, you know, college film to back it up. I just, I'm scared to trust them, especially, you know, when I looked at it going towards, you know, I'm trying to compete for a championship. Sixth round quarterback, I don't know, you know, there's so much variance that could be there. Talent-wise, he could be better than, you know, good chunk of these guys we've talked about it's just when it gets down to crunch time are we going to see that floor or are we going to see him rise up so i think it's you know talent wise i think we view him in a similar light it's just for this exercise i think the the rationale we came at it from different perspectives I all right. I'm with. And you. I, I'm very willing to eat my hat on this if we see him this year in Jacksonville. You know, being able to hold on to the starting job and perform, I will absolutely move him. Uh, you no, know, fair, fair chunk up these rankings to uh to correspond to that. Who do you got at 16? I have our friend Baker Mayfield. Ooh. Um, he's kind of. I agree with a lot of Josh's points again. You know, it's. We've seen a wide wide array of different levels of Baker's game. You know, we've seen him be exceptional, and we've seen him be fucking awful, um, even with some really good players around him. You know, I think if you're a competing team, you know, the way I would have built a team, the way I would have come at this, uh, building a foundation, protection wouldn't be an issue, which I think has always been Baker's biggest concern. Um, I think if you are able to keep him upright, you can trust him to make good decisions and good throws. I think we've seen a little bit of that already. Um, this year basically is his make or break, whether or not he's going to be an NFL quarterback for the future. Um, at 16, I felt was a good, a good place for him where he has just tremendous upside still, but. Again, it, the floor is not great. So this is uh, nearly at the top of this um, this tier that I am forgetting the name of. But it's basically the, the middle of the pack guys that I don't love being in charge of my team, but I would trust to get the job done. 
Um, I mean, we'll finish this up in the next pick, but I, I think Baker still has that potential. All right, moving on to number 15. I have here Jimmy Garoppolo, a man we have talked about already. Um, apparently, based on the Super Bowl, game manager extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> he is what he is, and what he is is likely to be looked upon going forward as the new Dalton line. <laughs> so I, having him here at 15 seems very fitting. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, at 15 for me, I have a guy we haven't talked about yet, Matthew Stafford. Ah. Um, I, he's one of those guys where I had difficulty placing Matthew Stafford because he's a very talented thrower. He's been very consistent throughout his entire career, but at the same time, it's never been – He's never been able to elevate the team. They, he's never been able to put them on their back, carry them. You know, I, you don't always, you shouldn't always expect that from your quarterback. You know, that pressure can be dangerous. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's getting older. I, I can't say he's in his prime any longer. Um, and that's why I kind of had him cap out this middling tier of quarterbacks just I feel like uh, his best days are behind him. And while he's still very talented, it's, you know, if you look three years out, what's he going to be then? I don't know. I don't know if he's still going to be, uh, you know, a top 15 player by then. So this is kind of the highest I was willing to put him. Uh, we are apart on him only because, God damn, did I have no idea what to do with him for every single reason you mentioned. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll get to him when we get to him. Um, number 14, I have Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. Um, that's right. I, I meant, I talked about him already when, when it was Corwin's, uh, pick on him down at 21, I want to say. Um, I had him at 21, yeah. Yeah, so we're pretty far apart on this one as well. Um, I still like the talent. I still like the general decision-making that he shows, which I think is probably the biggest thing. Um, he physically, I think he's a pretty talented dude. It's just a matter of putting together. I. It's just so tough because having watched all of his games as a Jets fan, you can see that there's so much more there than the play calling allows for, and it's so frustrating um, because I am so incredibly sure he can do more than what's being asked of him or the, more than what he's being told to do. But unfortunately, that's not going to show up on the stat sheet. So this is a l not even a little bit. This is a fair chunk of bias, but I think that the points I have made previously <laughs> and currently still stand. And uh, yeah, fuck you. I do think Sam Donald's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know what? That's fair. You know, it's one of those things where I was kind of keeping those tiers together a little bit. It's I'm just scared that... I feel like the reason I had Sam Darnold at 21 is because he's kind of locked in with Adam Gase as his head coach and not whatever coach I'd have it with my team. Um, and that's a little unfair to him, but at the same time, there's it's no other way you can really look at it right now. Yeah, totally fair. Um, God, dude, Adam Gase. Garbage. Uh, all right, number 14. This is where I put Kyler Murray. Um, this is kind of in the tier uh, with the next three guys of tremendously, just incredibly high ceilings, um, relatively young, though, and we haven't quite seen it all get put together. Um, you know, Kyler Murray, I was 
very concerned about coming in. I was not a fan of him being the first quarterback taken, but at the same time, he was able to keep himself healthy. He was heavily sacked last year, but at the same time, you know, he held it together. Uh, he showed some good poise. He showed some excellent running and scrambling ability, which we all knew that would be his strength. Um, he did he impress me with some of his over the offensive line, which they said was a concern. <laughs> <laughs> Um, again, it's not his height, it's his weight. This is actual size. Um, so I do think he's going to get very, very good very soon, uh, especially with Cliff Kingsbury there, especially with the weapons around him Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. You know, he's got some talent. Um, they're able to get some protection pieces around him. So, sky's the limit for Kyler Murray if he can stay healthy. Um, I would be very happy with him leading my team just uh, with the skill set he's able to bring. At number 13, I have Atlanta Falcon, Matt Ryan. Mm. Um, he won an MVP once. Um, and <laughs> he's not. Yes, he did. Uh, no, he's like, look, man, he'll do his best. And that's usually pretty good. Uh, he's the <laughs> ugliest man in football. Um, no, nah, he, Matt he, Ryan is not the ugliest person in football, dude. Matt Ryan's pretty I, fucking ugly. Um, I, I think that's a little unfair. I think you are forgetting how ugly some players can be. Yeah, but all right, he's the ugliest quarterback on this list. Uh, man, I still. I yeah, feel like this is a whole nother debate we could have because I think there are some ugly quarterbacks out there. But regardless, we, we can make that work. Anyway, Matt Ryan is uh, good, but in the lowest tier of good. I feel that. Uh, I kind of have him similarly ranked amongst my tiers. Um, I figure since we're getting near to the end, you haven't mentioned his name yet. Yeah, uh, he's he's not far off, but... Uh, I can't put him ahead of some rookies because this is where I have Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I I really, really, this was probably the hardest grouping to do was where to put these two quarterbacks, Tua and Joe Burrow. Um, spoiler alert, Joe Burrow's next, but I'll hold off talking on him. Um, I kind of had to keep these guys together just because it is all projection and their ceilings are so brutally similar. Um, I mean, Tua could end up being Drew Brees, has a very similar skill set uh, with even better uh, scrambling and running ability. It's just he has some serious injury concerns and he plays for the Dolphins. So it's I don't think he's going to get a fair shake of things. I think if he dropped into a competing team year one, I think he wouldn't skip a beat. I think he would be uh, very, very good. It's just hard putting him ahead of guys who have shown the ability to get it done in the NFL. And putting a guy who's never played there before uh, is is a hard task. Um, so this was tough. But uh, I, I would very, very much want both of these guys over the next three years if I was a, a competing team, especially with their salaries. I, oh, with the salary consideration, I fucking absolutely. I'm always hesitant because I never want to be reactionary, especially when it comes to rookie quarterbacks who have not played. Um, mm-hmm. As we all know, someone who was high on that guy that did not play in the NFL when he uh, in out of uh, his entire draft class. 
Uh, so often happens with quarterbacks. I was so high on Josh Rosen and not saying he got dealt a fair hand, but look where he is now. Um, approximately nowhere. So uh, I, I pray for these players, but Lord knows that doesn't mean shit. Um, moving on, number 12, I have Kirk Cousins uh, because I think he's slightly better than Matt Ryan and not better than anyone above him. And that is all I have to say about this man. <laughs> Fair enough. At number 12, I have Joe Burrow. Spoiler alert, you already knew that. Um, I I think Joe Burrow is in a similar vein as Andrew Luck coming out of college. I think he's on his way to being a top five quarterback in the NFL once the the current uh, retiree, well, I don't want to say retirees because I haven't retired, but the, the guys who collect Social Security in the in the NFL uh, are on their way out. You know, the Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those guys. Um, I think by then Joe Burrow will absolutely be in the same vein as, you know, Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson, Watson. Um, I just, it, again, hasn't taken a snap yet. So I can't physically put him higher than any of these other guys here as much as I want to. Um, but sky's the fuck on it. Sky's the fucking limit. Uh, at number 11, uh, because it didn't feel right putting him in the top 10, but it didn't feel right leaving him too far out of it, I have Dak Prescott. Um, okay. Yeah, he's... he's I, I When I think of top 10 quarterbacks in the league, I don't think of him, but I also do not think of him any... Uh, he's, he's definitely above average. I know average. exactly what you mean. It's so fucking tough, man. It's so fucking tough. Um, and exactly what you mean. I'm having such a hard time describing who he is as a player, but I do think he's good. I just don't think he's great. Totally fair. Totally fair. We'll talk to him when I get to him. Not terribly far off. Uh, it will be soon. Number 11. This is where I have Carson Wentz. Ah, okay. um, if we went purely on talent, I think he'd be uh, a couple a couple spots higher. But you, you really just have to be concerned with the injury history, uh, greatly concerned with that injury history. Um, just has never shown to be able to stay healthy despite all that talent. Um, you know, as a player, I'd absolutely want him, com- uh, you know, commandeering my team. You know, he's played at an MVP level. It's just injuries. That's the only thing holding him back in my mind. Oh, I completely agree. I have him not far off from where we are currently as well. God, uh, imagine trading up for Jared Goff instead of this guy. <laughs> couldn't be my team, but we're also bad and have been in the Super Bowl a lot. Um, number 10 on my list is previously discussed Matt Stafford. Um, for previously discussed difficult reasons, he statistically always seems very, very good. Statistically always seems to be top of the pack in categories that traditionally matter. And yet, his teams are always bad, and a lot of his um, traditional stats tend to become out of garbage time. Um, Can he be good? Yeah, we've seen um, at least one very good Detroit Lions team while he's been there. I think the season right after Calvin Johnson retired, which was a shame. Um, But at the same time, it's just so tough to put a finger on where Matt Stafford belongs. He's 
shown that at a point in time he was the highest paid quarterback in the league for a reason, and he's also shown as being kind of a question mark as to why they gave him that contract. It's tough, um, but mm-hmm. I think he's very good. Um, having him in the top 10 feels kind of weird. At the same time, leaving him out, but it kept, felt kind of weird. So here he is at number 10. Totally understandable. Um, ne- my number 10, you know, uh, I have to go with the franchise opinions here. You know, they view him better than Carson Wentz. I have to put Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, they have Carson Wentz. They drafted him in the second round. So you have to understand they know more than us. So Jalen Hurts. Um, obviously, that's a joke uh, in jest. But uh, I thought it was really funny on the spot when I just made up with it. So. <laughs> Dude, I was fucking convinced. I was fucking convinced. Hey, this was all true. I was buying in, man. I was like, yes, that makes so much sense. <laughs> um, in reality, I have Matt Ryan here. Uh, again, guy who has played at an MVP level, won the MVP. Um, just not always at that level of consistency, but again, always plays at a high level. Um, I would be very content with his composure uh, and his abilities leading my team. Uh, doesn't have the injury concerns of Carson Wentz so well. The actual abilities, I think, are... Uh, I think Carson Wentz is a better player. Um, I could trust Matt Ryan more. I very much so understand this opinion. Uh, number nine, I have Carson Wentz um, mm-hmm. of the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a big ball of injury concern, but at the same time, when he's actually on the field, he plays really fucking well. Um, if he played an entire 16-game season, which, again, he has done more frequently than I have given him credit for, um, as we discussed at some point before, because he's actually played a lot more games than I thought he had, um, then he could be everything that we think he could be. Um, he just needs to stay on the field and be able to maintain a high level, which I think he can. I think he's really good. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Uh, my number nine is Dak Prescott. Um, All right. So if you're following along at home, that means that Josh and I have the same top eight players, not necessarily in the same order. Dak Prescott, though, I think he is definitely getting fucked by the Cowboys, no doubt about that. Oh, oh uh, <laughs> uh, I think he definitely has the skill set. Uh, passing ability has come so far since he was a rookie i mean fourth round rookie being where he is now i think that's tremendous um you know underrated ball carrier um has kind of cut down on that over the past couple years uh but overall uh i think he's a tremendous quarterback i think the mental processing is fantastic uh i very much would trust him to carry the team deep in the playoffs uh and i think the cowboys now uh finally have that team so we'll see if uh if it actually comes true he can get it done yeah, I hate the Cowboys, and I can certainly find reasons to dig on Dak Prescott. Uh, but at the same time, uh, most of it would be petty bullshit. <laughs> so I'm not going to. Uh, number eight, I have presumptive Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger uh, here. He's, uh, I say presumptive because I can only assume he's going to be. I cannot imagine who they would have in this place. Um, All signs point to yes so far, but you yeah. Know. But hey, they could end up signing Cam Newton for no good reason. I've been all of a sudden Cam Newton 
head quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm sad. Um, but Big Ben missed almost all season last year being hurt. Um, but we all know who he is, and who he is is a good quarterback who does not rely on moving very much, which has resulted in him aging into his role pretty well um, as his arm strength is still there. Granted, that's a question mark based on the fact he had an um, arm chain, I'll say, related injury. But at the same time, it's if we can rely on anything, it's Big Ben to at least, at the very least, make good decisions and play to his wide receiver strengths. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where, you know what, uh, I'll just hold off because I have Ben Roethlisberger coming up shortly. Um, my number eight, I have Drew Brees. Ooh. And you might think Drew Brees is definitely better than the eighth best quarterback in the NFL. And I would say, yeah, he definitely was the past few years. But looking forward, you know, last year, the past two years, he hasn't necessarily been the Drew Brees that we associate with the name. Um the, the arm isn't quite there the way it was. They've definitely reverted back towards a, a shorter passing game. Um, Intelligence-wise, you know, he's up there with Tom Brady as guys I would trust the most. Um, but age is a concern. You know, if you're a competing team, you want to have younger guys that you know aren't going to be, you know, falling off because of age. And while the experience is great, um, he's just not the player he once was uh, still at a very high level. He's still a top eight quarterback in the NFL, but um, you know, physically I think I'd go with younger guys uh, at the top. So uh, this is where I have Drew Brees and it, it, it feels dirty to have uh, him. This level. Yeah. I hate this opinion and therefore you. That's fair. You know what? I get it. I will take it. I, I understand. God, I swear to God, if you say Ben Roethlisberger's name ahead of Drew Brees's, I will punch you in the face. <laughs> Josh, we know. We know that it's going to happen. We know what players are left. It makes no intuitive sense that you would do this. But anyway. Do you want me to no, just jump into number no, seven, which no, is Ben Roethlisberger? No, I don't. My number seven is Sean Watson. He's really fucking good at football. Way better than Roethlisberger, and uh, he uh, he's good. That that's and tell me about Ben Roethlisberger. Now I'm curious. (laughs) Um, This is under the presumption that Ben comes back healthy uh, from this elbow surgery, which is a a steep assumption to make. I understand that, but if he's healthy, if he's the same level of health as Drew Brees is. I would rather have that toughness and that deep ball ability um, where Ben still has shown that uh, that strength. He can still sling the ball deep. Uh, he still has some tremendous placement with the ball um, in all areas of the field. He's tough. Um, I know he's gotten it done before multiple times. Um, there's really nothing I would question. He's always been a guy that, you know, beginning of the season, he's not always there. By the end of the season, he is in another level of playing ability. And uh, you know what? You put uh, fucking, what's his face, uh, Sam Darnold in your top 14, whatever it was. I can put Ben Roethlisberger, all people in the top seven. Um, you know what? I just, it, it comes down to the, 
ability to stand tall in the pocket, and it comes down to the deep ball uh, ability of Ben Roethlisberger that I just don't think Drew Brees has at the same level anymore. I want the record to show that if a 2020 NFL season should happen, which, fingers crossed, that Corwin believes Ben Roethlisberger will have a better season than Drew Brees. The record books will reflect this, as will our legacies. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll stand by that. Moving forward, number six, I have Green Bay Packer A.A. Ron Rodgers. Um, he's very good. He's slightly older. They're asking him to do less, which makes sense. Uh, well-rounded teams shouldn't rely on the quarterback as much as the Packers have been relying on Rodgers for the past uh, decade-ish. Um, but uh, as great as I think Rodgers is, um, I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of my lifetime. Um, yeah. He has just fallen short of some of these people ahead of him. Well, you were not a fan of Drew Brees at eight. So how do you feel about Tom Brady at number six? Oh, I love it. It seems <laughs> delicious. Um, again, this is very, very similar vein to Drew Brees in that discussion. Mentally, you know, just the leadership style, the intelligence on the field, the confidence, the Michael Jordan level of competitiveness is all best in the NFL. But physically, he is going to be 43 years old. Um, it's been in a decline for couple years now he just can't always make the throws that he usually makes um and you know looking this year and three years down the road Tom Brady's gonna be 45 46 that's that's not the kind of guy I want leading my team to a you know hopefully third straight championship and as much as that hurts me to say Tom Brady just I don't know if he's gonna be able to hold strong enough for three more years and I know we've been saying that for five years but it's time is undefeated and it's got to come back to bite him at some point and I think we've begun to see that decline uh and I think it's only going to happen more and more dramatically as time moves on and he gets older so it hurts me to say Tom Brady is the sixth best quarterback in the NFL but here we are but he's so pliable I don't even know what that is supposed to be. I uh, I think it's a it's a super very smoothie bowl chain based out of Monmouth. Uh, <laughs> it's a very specific <laughs> reference. <Polite>. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a very specific reference. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady is my number five. Um. Fuck, I hate having him this high. I wish there was not a 70-year-old man this high on my list. And yet, here he is because, god damn it, he's got father time by the balls and refuses to stop tugging. Um, what is there to say? He definitely showed a decline last season, which, thank God. But um, at the same time, I hate the fact I have to put him this high because he continues to prove it correct, but he continues to prove it correct that he deserves to be this high. So, Tom Brady, hopefully next year <sighs> he's ranked number 32, but until then, number God. Yeah, Eat a fucking strawberry, why don't you? God. Stop kissing your uh, son on the mouth. What? Stop kissing your son on the mouth. 
Yeah, for real. Uh, I think we have a, a higher, higher chance of getting him to eat a strawberry than to stop him tongue-kissing his son. Give All me right. Number five on my list. This is where I have Deshaun Watson. Um, competitiveness. You know, we've seen everything you would want in a leader uh, back from his Clemson days. You know, while Bill O'Brien hasn't quite been able to put the team in front of him to compete uh, in the playoffs, we know there's that side of him which is still there. Uh, we know he's a winner. We know he's a gamer. I, I know he could get the job done. And talent-wise, he has absolutely, you know, blown past what I thought he was going to be in the NFL. Um, I think he is very much in the MVP discussion year in, year out from here on uh, forward. Um, there are, you know, the guys that I have ahead of him are guys who are just on another level of play right now. Um, and while Deshaun Watson is just a tremendous player. It, it would be a shame to put any one of those guys ahead of him. So I, I, I'm enamored with Sean Watson. I think he's incredible. And I think it's a goddamn travesty uh, that his career is going to be ruined because of uh, Bill O'Brien. Uh, fingers crossed that whoever Bill O'Brien hires to replace, replace Bill O'Brien does better than Bill O'Brien. But, you know, we'll see because that sentence had a lot of Bill O'Briens in it. I just, um, I, when it comes down to it, like final thoughts on Deshaun Watson, I, I don't think there's any way he resigns in Houston. I think he has to get the fuck out of Dodge. I guess we'll have to find out, um, yeah. which is a real cop out answer, but I have nothing else to say. Uh, number four, I have uh, the greatest quarterback of all time, Drew Brees. Uh, Ooh, wow. Ageless wonder. Um, way. <laughs> That double the position of number eight because he's double the quarterback of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, oh, fuck off. <laughs> nah, uh, he, in a similar, albeit lesser extent, is seeing a same decline in asking of what to be done of him that Aaron Rodgers is uh, because his team is finally rounding out in a way that they don't need him to do all that he had try- been trying to do for the past, again, decade-ish? Uh, so that means that he is able to age more reasonably into what he's being asked to do, um, which is such a breath of fresh air um, because he's hopefully getting a little bit more recognition at the tail end of his, uh, end of his career as compared to what he'd been experiencing from 2010 to 2018, um, being completely blown out of the water by Peyton and uh, Tom, to put it colloquially. But he's one of the greatest. I absolutely love him. One of my favorite quarterbacks I got to watch. Um, and he has also been one of these ageless wonders where, to a lesser extent than Tom, um, he has been able to keep up with a lot of the stats, or at least in rate version, that he has been for a chunk, good chunk of his career. So um, combined with the deep playoff pushes that he's literally proven he's capable of doing these past few years, um, ageless wonder Drew Brees sitting pretty at my number four. Just uh, now that you've gotten to Drew Brees, just how fucking lucky are we that we got to watch, in my mind, the three best quarterbacks to ever play the game? You know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees, just all right there at the same time and compete against each other. Just it's been such a treat. You know, like we never got to watch Michael Jordan play or Wayne Gretzky play, but 
we're going to be able to look back and say, we saw these guys play and it was special. How mad are you that Tom Brady and Drew Brees didn't share a division like six years ago? Um, like I'm so upset that this is going to happen now when their combined age is 90 instead of like 50. I am more oh, upset really? that it took him this long to get the fuck out of the AFC. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, all right. Number four on my list, I have Lamar Jackson. Um, a guy that has, you know, I was very low on, uh, coming out of college and has completely shut me the fuck up with his play. Um, I mean, the guy is the reigning MVP in the NFL, um, completely just turned the NFL on its head with the style of play that he has. Um, it's honestly hard to put him here at four because, Talent-wise, he's up there with Pat Mahomes like nobody else. But, you know, if you're talking about competing in the playoffs, you, you want to have more of that, that X factor, that um, je ne sais quoi. Um, and we haven't quite seen that from him yet, as much as I know we will soon. Um, so this is a tentative number four ranking. He's going to be. Uh, I, I hate that he's in the AFC North with me for the next 30 years. With me, uh, with the Steelers. With you personally, yes. With me personally. Uh, I have him actually here at number three, so I feel comfortable sharing all of your sentiments and moving on. Perfect. My number three, I have Aaron Rodgers. Um, I just, I think right now he is. Still one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. Um, he still has all the arm talent in the world. He's still got this ruthlessness to his game where, you know, we could be down in the fourth quarter by two scores in the Super Bowl. And I still think we would be favored to win the game because Aaron Rodgers is in at quarterback. Um, he is the definition of X factor. And uh, I just, Again, it, I know I've said this for the past like three straight guys, but that just goes to show the skill level of the two guys above him that this man is number three. Uh, I mean, two years ago, he would have been the de facto number one. Uh, last year, I think he probably would have been close, uh, if not number one. Um, but here we are. Times, times are changing. They certainly are. I, I appreciate the respect put on him to give him number three. Uh, my number, I had him at number six. Okay. Which really it should be number five. I should have put him above Tom Brady, but whatever. Yeah, Too late. Uh, it's, it's understandable to say the least. At number two, I initially had him first until I remembered who I was going to put at number one. Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, criminally underrated somehow. Um, I don't still. It's astonishing. Um, <laughs> I think I saw on Twitter a few weeks ago that he has received one single MVP vote during his career, which I don't think a, he's gotten any. If if he has gotten one, it has been solely one, uh, which speaks volumes to how crazy underappreciated he has been. Um, mm -hmm. Which again is insane because he went to back to back Super Bowls, winning one of them against arguably one of the best offenses of that decade. 
uh, I would say it is the best offense that we've possibly ever seen. Uh, you know, it's on par with the greatest show on turf, the Rams teams with the Chiefs that we just saw. I mean, that was Pey- Peyton Manning at his absolute best. I mean, it, that Legion of Boom, man, I know it wasn't necessarily all on Russell, but fuck. Like, and at the same time, Russell Wilson scored, what was it, 42 points? I mean, it was yeah. insane. It was 42 to 8 of the final score. Regardless, um, he has proven time and time again to be able to carry a team so readily every time they lose major impactful pieces. Um, thought-provoking writers like to say that the, this is what's going to do in the Seattle Seahawks and Russ can't save them from this. And then, lo and behold, Russell Wilson, draped in whatever superhero clothing you best think describes him, pops out of the goddamn shadows and takes that team to the goddamn playoffs, kicking and streaming. Running backs, don't fucking need them. Offensive line, don't fucking need it. Most wide receivers, don't fucking need them. Russell Wilson's going to find you a way to just appear in the goddamn playoffs, so long as you don't have to go through the Rams to do it. Um, It's um, mind-boggling how, one, how good he is, and two, how constantly underrated he is. I mean, I'm right there with you. I agree. He's my number two. And it's just, it's a, it's a travesty to how quickly people will just jump on him. And just, he has always been the underdog in the sense of people always find reasons to dislike him. Uh, and he's done nothing to deserve it. If anything, everything to the contrary. Uh, which means we definitely share the same number one here. Um yeah, Andy Dalton. <laughs> how it all comes full circle. The Red Rocket has proven time and time again to be an invaluable piece of a franchise. Um, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Pat Mahomes. Uh, I'm not even going to say anything. Pat Mahomes. What's there to say? I mean, he's so clearly head and shoulders above anyone else at the position right now. Um, He's the 2020 standard of greatness that we're going to measure his third season, and it's almost clear to see him becoming the greatest quarterback of all time, talent-wise. He's just been able to do things with the football on the field that no one else is able to do, and the only thing holding him back is himself. You know, like it, he just needs to stay healthy, stay humble, stay hungry, uh, and he's going to get there the same way. You know, Peyton Manning did the way Joe Montana did, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. You know, like this is physically, he's probably just laps ahead of anyone else there. It's just, can he make sure? I know it, it's hard to say piece it all together because of so much that he's done already. But when you're at this level, it's just, there's, there's so much more that can just hold you back and just, you have to be perfect. And, he has been so far. I mean, Super Bowl in his third year, second year as a starter, and the de facto favorite from here on out until he proves, until he should, gives us a reason not to be, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really anything you kind of add to Pat Mahomes? Literally nothing. I mean, he's real fucking good. <sighs> yeah. Man, imagine if the Bears drafted him. Yeah, imagine if they traded up to draft literally almost any other 
quarterback. <laughs> they traded up to draft the guy that we both had at the bottom <laughs> worst of list. quarterback. Yeah. Oh. It's really I never, I never made that connection. So I have the two guys they passed on, number one and number five. The guy they took is 35. Oh, God. It's so I don't even have Nick Foles on my list, but he's certainly ahead of Mitch Trubisky. And they traded a fourth-round pick to get him. Um, all right, real, real quick, before we, before we um, wrap up, uh, neither of us, for obvious reasons, he's not on a team, picked Cam Newton. Um, but mm-hmm. where would you put him on your Ooh, um, I would put him, I, th- I think I'd have to put him at 12, right behind Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, right ahead of Joe Burrow, Tua, and Tyler. That's yeah, super fair. Actually, looking at my list, I would put him either 11 or 12, same. Yeah. I, I would argue maybe I would put him at 10 behind Prescott and above Matt Ryan. Um, just because I think his skill set is going to hold true stronger than Matt's. Matt's, like I know, Matt Ryan's. Um, it's just, again, those injury concerns would probably push him to right behind Carson Wentz. Actually, you know what? I think I'd put him at number nine because I have Wentz at number nine right now, and I think I would put Cam Newton above Carson Wentz. Totally fair. But just below Ben Roethlisberger, I think is a fair intuitive ranking. Anyway. So you, so you think he's better than Drew Brees based on that? Right behind Ben Roethlisberger, right ahead of Drew Brees. That's fair. That's fair. I hate you more and more every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the last episode. Of uh, uh, anything else? I know we had a few other things that we were thinking about, but this has been a two-hour episode already, and I have work in the morning. Uh, is there anything else uh, you have to say about any of the things we have discussed thus far today. No, I, this was a tremendously fun exercise. Um, I'm excited to keep this ball rolling. Uh, I don't know what position we're going to do next. We'll have to talk about it, but um, definitely look forward to this in the future. Yeah, I can't wait for next week's episode when we talk about right tackles. Ooh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Mitchell Schwartz. He's probably my number one right now. Uh, super sexy. Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this Thursday's episode will be the um, movie episode. As a quick reminder, uh, my pick was the Royal Tenenbaums. Corbin's pick was True Grit. So if you haven't watched either of them the yet, the, yes, the 2010 True Grit. Uh, make sure you ca- catch them before the episode or don't and just listen to us talk about it. Either is fine. Um, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.